Welcome to Podvant Guard. I'm Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I'm Jordan Lee Williams. And today we're going to talk about Keen's big eye paintings. What? what? <laughs> okay, so Walter Stanley Keen was born on December 7th, 1915 in Lincoln, Nebraska, as between one of 10 and 14 children, according to various sources. So, Wait, what kind of window is that? So what I think happened is it says one article said between 10 children from his father's second marriage and one article oh. said 14 children. So I'm assuming that it's 14 total and then like 10 are from that marriage. I'm going to say a lot of the dates about this guy are a little bit difficult to pin down. Okay. And many of the sources I found had different years for the same events. So it's a little bit difficult to create a, like an accurate timeline. But okay. I'll kind of let you know sort of when we're having those moments and like, you know. Hey, I've had very accurate years and had trouble with having accurate timelines so keep yeah. it as loose as you want <laughs> absolutely so he briefly worked as a shoe salesman attended la city college by the 40s he had started a real estate business with his first wife barbara with whom he had one child Susie, in 1947 okay. now according to walter although his real estate business was wildly successful he yearned for more he would later say in his autobiography, The Real Love of Walter Keene, published date unknown, that the stress of real estate gave him a, a crippling stomach ache. And then one day he had this epiphany. And I quote, as I listened to the birds sing, I lifted my arms toward them and cried out, please wait, I am one of you. I closed my eyes. Then came the spark. My dazed, feverish request was answered. I realized that my innate artistic talent had been locked in my brain and my body for all these years. I knew that a new life had begun. In 1946, chasing this apparent burst of inspiration, he and Barbara traveled to Paris. Barbara would shortly return back to the States while Walter stayed in Europe to take up the bohemian lifestyle of an artist, drinking and shacking up with a sex worker named Colette. Wait, so are we going to attribute <laughs> this to like midlife crisis? When, like, did he get into some bad, like, 40s fungus and something? Like, was that a trip? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, so I think that we will find that Walter is an unreliable narrator. Ooh, um, I was wondering if you had that fanciful voice for a reason. Yeah, he, <laughs> I think it is, if Walter is saying anything in his own words, it becomes difficult to verify later on, and we'll have some facts. Ooh, okay. I'm learning that when Andrea that sounds like she's telling a fairy tale, she often does not believe that person. Yes. <laughs> See, so, and I already know the story, so oh, I'm going to be pretty okay. quiet for a while. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. But is I that why have... Jordan's just going to giggle at a lot of the questions I have? Is that what this is? Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Your questions will be answered in due time, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. So, so uh, 
During this time, he took a trip to Berlin, which became an apocryphal source of the inspiration for his paintings. He would later say about the trip, quote, nothing in my life until then or since has ever made such an impact as the sight of those children fighting over garbage. The insane, inhuman cruelty inflicted on these children cut deeply into my being. From that moment on, I painted the lost children with the eyes that would forever retain their haunting and haunted quality. So I want you to go ahead right now and take a look at the first painting, the first image that I sent you. Mm -hmm. And it shows this little girl with these giant eyes and she's crying. This is sort of the style that he would become known for. And he is attributing that stylization to seeing orphan children on the streets of Berlin after World War II. Got it. Um, according to Walter, he returned to the States in 1947 with a renewed passion to create paintings of these tortured children. Oddly enough, his wife, who he had been cheating on, did not welcome him back with open arms. And he was briefly... <gasps> crazy right what, uh, why what happened yeah i know she wasn't so a very weird. cool girl did she, she not wasn't like cool his paintings <laughs> uh yeah he was briefly exiled to a houseboat where he continued to cheat on his wife and supposedly paint the children um well, that's also an open mic a comedian lifestyle option is a houseboat i've known mm. multiple people who lived on yes. houseboats. i still remember doing a show on a houseboat or like attending a show on a houseboat yes. and being like these people are rich and then i was like oh no these people are sad no not at all they're like at tops rich adjacent but they're <laughs> yeah. like estranged. like their parents are rich yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. it's like the the estranged son that was used to be on a crew team like tops right his parents <laughs> sent him to get a semi ivy league degree and he flunked out with a d or whatever and can't be a lawyer yeah like the kind <laughs> of kid that says like i'm not gonna be what you want dad but then he like throws a lacrosse stick <laughs> <laughs> yes uh so supposedly uh around this time they did eventually reconcile and that's when they gave birth to their daughter or she gave birth to their daughter, Susie Keen. It says either in 1947 or 1948. I couldn't nail a date on when this child was born, but either way, it seems like she was born into a difficult marriage. Um, in 1948, Walter supposedly started a series of educational puppets with his wife, Barbara, to teach children French called, and I quote, Susie Keen's Puppeteens which were uh, supposedly sold in department stores like Saks Fifth Avenue. But a few things are wrong with this. Number one, uh, I couldn't back this up with any news articles. Um, it's completely on the word of his daughter that this happened at all. Number two, he would admit later in his own words that his French was passable at best, meaning he probably wasn't creating a program to teach children French because he himself was not fluent in French. Um, that wouldn't have stopped him, though. Yeah, no, he could have still been making it up. Uh, if yes. this thing existed, I have a strong suspicion that his wife might have been behind it because after they divorced, she would go on to become uh, the lead, the department head of a dressmaking school. Um, 
and he didn't. So my guess is like, <laughs> oh, so you're saying like if anybody could make puppets, it was maybe her. Yeah, I think maybe uh-huh. if puppets were being made, she might have been making puppets in the home. Maybe there was something for her daughter. Maybe it was something that they were doing for like neighborhood children. But I couldn't verify any claims that they had been sold in department stores and made like a So solid they weren't profit. the original Muzzy. Yeah, I couldn't. I really couldn't find anything to back that up. Um, but at the very least, he had quit his, and I quote, wildly successful real estate business. Um, now, completely by chance, while I was researching him, I did find an article published on April 5th, 1950, in the Los Angeles Evening Citizen News that lists a Walter Keene, along with 11 other men, as arrested in conjunction with a punch board and slot machine racket, including a former police officer. (laughs) Oh, shit. I was unable to verify solidly through the newspaper articles that I found whether this was the same Walter Keene, but it did take place in Santa Rosa, California, which is about an hour from where the Keens were living at the time. And based on things that Walter said later on, it seemed like he did have some connections in the underworld as he would use that to threaten people. Oh, speculation zone. Yeah, speculation zone. I'm from near Santa Rosa. Like I I spent so much time out there and it's hilarious to hear about like some seedy underworld because Santa Rosa is like four streets and a town square. It is hilariously small, like just this very picturesque little place even now. Like yeah. a lot of these towns around where I grew up are they're starting to like in the last few years build buildings that are taller than four stories and but santa rosa is still very like oh we're just this little quaint like winery adjacent well jordan they're just starting to build them up but apparently they've all had basements for a long time baby (laughs) (laughs) it does seem like walter throughout his life is very interested in projecting an image of wealth and success um and is always a little he always kind of has a great story on how that's happening but sometimes it doesn't seem to back that up so that's kind of why i think that the puppeteer thing maybe wasn't how he was earning his money and maybe he was part of a gambling (laughs) racket um also not to derail this yeah but i got a message on instagram recently from this guy who was looking for a muse and Oh, I got one of those woman. What? To now I'm mad I didn't get one. I want a Muse DM. Oh Wait, my God. Did, but does he have a really sketchy photo that's in graphite as his profile picture? No. Okay. Because I got one of those There's after I talked about guys. being a nude model on Instagram. I was wondering if it was the oh same. Oh my dude. God. No, no, no. This guy was like, I think he just found me through the For You page. And it was all about like how he wants me to be like a modern art video that replays in his head when he thinks of me. And I was just like, dude, I don't think you know, like Keith said it perfectly. He was like, this is a guy who will think that you've never heard of Andy Warhol. Like he's just going to be like, oh my God, let me show you this incredible art. And I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that one. Yeah. No, it's always a dude who feels like he knows stuff. Um, Much like Walter who really yeah, seems no, to talk a lot. That's what this is reminding me of is because I do, I as as a person who looks the way I look and interacts with the world the way I do, 
I get a lot of like the the manic pixie dream girl. Can you be my muse? And I'm like, mm. no, because I'm a person and you're going to like ruin everything that I built. So I'm not really interested yeah. in dealing with your bullshit. I've been a couple of mommy pixie dream girls and it sucks. Zero stars. Uh, don't manic support pixie men. dream mom. That is like <laughs> what? Who yeah. needs one of those? Just oh like- my God zoe deschanel teaching you about life no thanks i mean but yeah if we have any of. younger female listeners if a man says i want you to be my muse what he means is he wants you to be naked in his bed with no personality traits beyond what he thinks you should have and yes. even then he'll be mad that you have them run run as you fast and as far as you enough can. to project onto yes hope that you weren't a whole person before now yes <laughs> also to my younger female listeners do not financially support a man because you are investing in a relationship with someone who you think is talented because yeah, they don't, are not don't investing in you so don't oh straight do up that's for our young male listeners too. Absolutely. <laughs> oh Absolutely. yeah. Keep your finances separate. Do not enter into a cohabitation with anyone who is not financially solvent. It is a nightmare. Even if you don't see them as clearly as the other person, who knows? You might have your own dreams to invest in soon. Yeah. So Maybe invest all that money into you and building yourself up and going yeah. to therapy. Don't do it. Anyway, speaking of Walter, uh, so I couldn't find whether he served any jail time for this or whether it was related, but by 1952, he and his wife, Barbara, had divorced. Um, I don't know what it was, if it was the cheating or the racketeering or like... Well, that's what I was thinking about the cheating. When did Susie even have time to happen? Was that like whenever he would come back on land? From the well, houseboat? It's, like, really shady. Like like I said, the timeline is, like, really difficult oh, right. to pin down Fair. because he'll be like, well, I was here and I was there. And, like, sometimes in different stories, he's in different places in different years. Mm-hmm. So it is really difficult to nail down, like, what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I had a similar, like, I exist because my parents, in the midst of a divorce and my dad being gone for almost a year, there's just there's this they timeline like nobody wants up. to talk about where I just happened. appeared. Yeah, this time no one wants to talk about. No, but for real, because like my mom didn't tell my dad that she was pregnant with me until he noticed, and she was about eight months pregnant. Look, we've all gone back and slept with someone who we thought it was over with, but they've said that they still really loved us, and then they fucked your shit up more. We've all done it. <laughs> That's what happens oh, yeah. sometimes. No, and then I show up as just the the creepy colicky dead baby, and I'm fucking ready to party. <laughs> Let's go. And my mom and your mom is like, I can't deal with this. Put her in a drawer. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> tiny little Jordan in her drawers. <laughs> drawer Jordan. Oh, um, but yeah, so it's I I understand kind of the complicated, messy timelines of. Yeah. Families who are dealing with a lot of cheating and a lot of like, we're not in the same place. And then all of a sudden there's a baby. Yeah. And especially at this time, it's 1948. Like women just really don't have a lot of recourse. They still we still can't have our own bank accounts. We are. There are not a lot of jobs available to us without the support of our husbands. So like you saying that they legit got divorced. This was more a time where even if you didn't live together. Like, I know I can't be the only person with grandparents who haven't 
lived together for decades but are still technically married. Yeah. Like, that seems That's I'm surprised they even like put it on paper. Right. And I, I think part of the reason they did put it on paper is because he wanted to marry someone else. Right. Oof. Not the sex worker? Someone else? No, someone else. Um it is so it 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 is unclear when Walter met his second wife. It says sometime between 1950 and 1955. So my guess is that um, this young, so the, the his second wife is this like young, quiet artist. Her name is Margaret Ulbrich. She escaped a violent marriage. She had one daughter already. And again, like, out of Walter's mouth, the story that he says, and then out of her mouth, the story that she says about the, how they met are wildly different. But in any case, uh, according to Walter, he saw this beautiful blonde sitting at a bistro and he was just attracted to her large eyes, just like these paintings of these children that he was painting. Um, and Margaret, freshly divorced from an abusive husband with no prospects for income, no work experience, no jobs available to single women. She gets pretty easily convinced by Walter that they should get married. So in 1955, they marry. And wow, Margaret is like a lucky charm for Walter. As soon as they get married, he starts selling these big eye paintings that he's been dreaming of since his time in Berlin. And in February of 1957, the paintings were shown at the Bank of America in Sausalito. He took nine paintings to New Orleans. He sold them during Mardi Gras. He arranged for showings at Washington Square Park Outdoor Art Show in New York City, the Sheridan Hotel in Chicago, some small East Side galleries. He is just like doing the circuit. Anywhere that will show the paintings, he's showing these paintings. Because also, wait, the hotel and Bank of America, did they keep them up? Or would they just have art showings at BOA back then? So a long time ago, uh, it used to be more common that these large institutions would show paintings, like large works, as sort of like, we're part of the community. And right, it was, like the Rothko ones. Yeah, it is yeah. more prestigious than kind uh-huh. of the way we would consider like a coffee shop show or something like right. that. Um, but it was also a way to sort of... You know, it was more for like newer artists. It's probably, you know, okay. someone like an established artist probably isn't right. as much going to be showing there, but it's still like a pretty big honor. That's cool. Credit union should do that now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, So he's showing these paintings all over. They're garnering all this attention. By the 1960s, Keene's big eye paintings were ubiquitous, selling for thousands of dollars off gallery walls and re- being reproduced on plates, cups, prints for consumption. Every price point in America, everyone wants these paintings. He's cranking them out. Keene was making about $2 million a year off the sale of the big eye paintings. What year is this? 1964 so that is 20 billion dollars in today's money there's oh. no there's no way there's no way this is wait because everything that you just said is from his autobiography again i didn't see any tax returns this is from him talking about it 
to a newspaper. So supposedly uh, he's like a billionaire. I mean, he was making a lot of money. money. Like, yeah, but you're. But know that me. would be I know. insane. Like, I know. you would know in the '40s if this guy, because we would like, there would be like money coming from other places. It would be like, yeah, this guy's got all the money now. <laughs> he's got twenty billion dollars, and no one knows. Yeah, so supposedly he's making so much money. Okay. Uh, celebrities like Natalie Wood, Joan Crawford, and Jerry Lewis all commissioned paintings of themselves in the big eye style and paid buku bucks for them. Yeah. Um, all of those people seem like they would look good in this style, though. Exactly. Are, they have those big heads. Big-eyed people. <laughs> especially Natalie Wood. Like, yes. she looks yeah. so good The second you said style. Natalie Wood, I was like, oh, a human deer asked for a, a, a portrait like this? I'm not at all surprised. We actually, I one know. of the images I sent you guys is That's what I her. thought. Yeah, yeah, if you want to take a look at it real quick, it's her with two different paintings of herself. Because she looks, the one that's like, um, her, her, like not young her with a dog is great yeah andrea i have like a question. they look like almost sexy caricatures because it's yes. like slightly exaggerated but still soft and okay. you know that like it's not a hundred percent you know realistic but it still very much is oh i have a question yes Andrea, did you find this because uh, they're just portraits of you or? <laughs> you mean tiny, large eyed children crying? Oh, the first one. I was like, oh, I wonder yes. how Andrea found this person. Yes. <laughs> they do look like images. There are photos of me as a baby that look very similar. Um, well, they look like if you you draw humans more realistically, but if you drew humans as you have drawn some animal, this is like two kind of versions of you put together. Yeah, there I did do that. I would say the self portrait I did in 2021 with the flowers and I'm holding the unicorn where my eyes are really big. I feel like that is like as close to this as I come for humans. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, but it's definitely like the lowbrow. It's. I mean, we'll talk about it, but it became sort of this the like basis for a lot of lowbrow artists mm -hmm. um, after this time. So while Keen was constantly way hobnobbing with celebrities going across the globe, he went to all of these like, you know, he's like meeting Picasso and shit. Like he legit is hobnobbing with celebrities all the time. It seemed incredible that he could do this constantly be womanizing sleeping with women and also churning out hundreds of paintings a year like everyone's mm. like whoa bro how are you doing this your work your work ethic is crazy that's what i was gonna ask are the people that he's meeting that are established artists like who the h is this guy yeah well, i mean we'll get into that more okay but it it is interesting that a lot of celebrities really fuck with him and uh -huh. then we'll art see critics what artists think don't. later. Uh -huh. Yeah. So okay. uh when asked what his secret was, he said, and I quote, You don't really have to starve to be a painter, especially if your wife and kids paint too. This was an interview he gave on September eleventh, nineteen fifty seven for the Weirton Daily Times. Um, which is a newspaper in West Virginia. I found so many newspapers. Newspaper.com, shout out. Uh, they're amazing. You can just search for keywords and find old ass articles. Oh, nice. Um, so 
Keen is continuing to take credit for the mass, vast majority of the work, essentially saying that like he's on this collaborative painting thing with his wife where like she does the figures, but I paint all the backgrounds and I'm the one that's good with color, but she's like a better draftsman. And these are all collaborative between us is essentially what he's saying. Um, so although the big eye paintings were commercially successful, most art critics and serious institutions consider them kitsch. Andy Warhol once said of them, quote, it has to be good. If it were bad, so many people wouldn't like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is kind Absolutely. of how Andy Warhol rolled. I was just like, I was thinking, oh, Andy. Oh, Andy. <laughs> I was going to actually cover him for this episode. So we'll get more into yeah. him another time. Okay. I have a we bunch were of talking about Warhol last night because Tom and Keith and I watched the 1979 Star Wars Christmas special. And it is no fucking need for insanity. any more explanation. Like, there was so they like tried to ban it. It's like what? It was impossible to find for so long. It's still not on Disney Plus. We found it on YouTube. And it is like a fever dream. It oh. is <laughs> fucking insane. The fact that they made this and we were taught, but I, it was like, there was a certain point where I was like, I am terrified to look away in case it sees me. Oh God. Like I just need to keep, I felt like a lizard being hunted and Keith and I were talking about it because he was like, this is like, if, you know, because uh, I think it was um, David Lynch was supposed to direct a Star Wars movie. Oh, and no. This special is exactly what would happen. But I was like, dude, this this feels like those Andy Warhol, like three hour videos of his apprentices sleeping on the couch in the studio. Like, that's what this movie felt like. Yeah, people were doing a lot of drugs and whatever. And, you know, everything was art and nothing was art and none of it mattered. It was a weird time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in 1964, Keene was commissioned to create a huge painting for the 64-65 World's Fair. The painting measured four foot by eight foot and it was his largest work to date. I want you to go to your images and I want you to look for the one titled Tomorrow Forever. Let me see. The painting was titled Tomorrow Forever. Uh, it featured a hundred children of every race and nationality on a giant golden staircase. I see. New, New York Times art mm. critic John Canaday said about the piece, and I quote, Mr. Keene is the painter who enjoys international celebration for grinding out formula pictures of wide-eyed children of such appalling sentimentality that his product has become synonymous with the very definition of tasteless hack work. Tomorrow Forever contains about 100 children and hence is about 100 times as bad as the average Keen. This was Whoa. in the Tennessean on the 12th of April, 1964. Due in large part to this biting criticism, the painting was actually removed from the exhibition amid controversy that it was, and I quote, in bad taste, end quote. Wow. <laughs> As someone who got a rejection letter last night, uh, I wish they had written something like this. It's amazing. <laughs> I I mean, it is a thing where, like, I do wish that when you got rejected from stuff, you got any sort of note of, like, keep trying. We like you, but you just didn't fit. Or, like, no, fuck no, you forever. At all. Exactly. Yeah, just yeah, anything. Like, 
I truly wish that I had gotten some kind of like, it's, it's just fucking too weird or something. Like I just, I wish that they had the balls to, instead of being like, we had such a difficult time making Honestly, it's just the time. (laughs) Like as someone who has curated, so I've curated art shows, which means like you take everyone's proposals or work or whatever, and you look at it and you're just like, fuck, okay. We have 500 and we need 100. 400 people you can't give individual criticism to. That's kind of yeah. what happens. No, um, absolutely. I get it. But I like the ones that at least have two different kinds. Like, because there is definitely, like you were saying, Jordan or Andre. I don't know which one of you just said it, but um, <laughs> like, please try again. Like, there'll be people that'll be like, oh, mine didn't say that. So I appreciate whenever they at least have like two canned options. Yeah, like a first tier and a second tier. Yeah, and well, they usually gotten, do. Yeah, I've gotten the like. We hope that our decision doesn't mean that you're going to stop creating. And I, I had a lot of conversations with Tom about that specific phrase because I was like, "Are there people who just can do that?" No, there aren't. If we didn't need to do this, we would all stop because it <laughs> well, is not. Well, I mean, I think lucrative. there are people that will maybe see that as their last one like there's a chance that somebody could have been submitting and been like if i don't get accepted by this one uh, also i'm fucking done like see that's even a if way they... more charitable read than what i had because in my head i was like oh you just are like well that's how i feel when people will like Rust dm me about baby. comedy and go you're great keep trying it's like what gave you the impression that i was gonna stop yeah, but like I know that's not you. how they mean it. Like I also get like irritated, but I think that people honestly don't know what to say, and they're just like, "Here's an inspiring thing that I've seen inside cards." Like at least sometimes <laughs> I think people, like regular people out in the world, are just like, "I don't know, don't stop doing this because I like what you're doing," and you're like, "Yeah, Thanks. I wasn't going to," but I think sometimes they actually do mean it. <laughs> mean yeah, well. no, no, not even like not even their thing, like. To the people who would receive that email and be like, you're right. I shouldn't stop. I'm like, what What, what part of your brain? Like, you're not doing this for the reasons that make sense to me. Yeah, I think some people I've I've heard people like, I mean, I'm on Reddit, so it's annoying. There's so many artists posts on Reddit that are like, I can't get inspired. How do you do the thing? And it's, the, and it's like the only real answer of art is to just keep arting. That's it. Some people quit. Some people get burned out. Some people don't yes. get the validation they feel they deserve and stop doing it altogether before they actually get anywhere. Like, that's real. Yeah. And Jordan from comedy, I know there are people that love to say that they're going to quit also. There are people uh, who love yeah. to talk shit about how this is going to be the last submission they do or whatever. I actually and like you're did saying, quit. If, they really is with, if it really is within them, they, you know what I mean? It either will yeah. or won't. Yeah, I want to say this before we get back into the episode, but the best opportunities, the best shows I've been a part of, the best opportunities I've ever had, none of them came from submitting to anything. They all came because a friend recommended me, someone knew about me, the gallery approached me. Yeah. Do not get discouraged if you're getting no's. 
just mm. literally just keep doing the thing. I got a no from an opportunity last year that I was like, this is a slam fucking dunk. Like this gallery is not even that good. And my work is amazing. I got mm -hmm. rejected from that in the same week that I got asked to do one of the best shows I've ever done. So it's mm -hmm. like, fuck you. Like, yeah. Yeah. no, no the, one knows what they're doing. Gatekeepers are bullshit. Like just keep doing it. And the it. way that you get the jobs that you just mentioned is by arting. Like yeah. you're just out there being yourself and meeting people. And those are the way you're getting the best opportunities apparently. Absolutely. So. And actually I think that this story shows that more than anything. Um, mm. Yeah. This, cause this painting does look like it's almost like a sad, watercolor like desolate moon background and then these yeah. kids are just like a Benetton ad of precious moments <laughs> yes. going down yes. these stairs into the abyss because also they're going down not up so is this like what does this mean <laughs> it's the her, abyss. Her... they're coming towards you it's ominous like are they gonna eat us what's I happening mean, he said some bullshit about it it's uh it's it's hard to say like some okay. people are like they're coming down from heaven or like this is about peace in the world and like there's the a lot are of so sad thoughts. it's very they are sad they're very sad so by 1964 it seemed like walter's hedonist lifestyle had taken a toll on his marriage uh he and margaret officially divorced and walter tried to soldier on though the big guy style was kind of starting to fall out of fashion all of this sort of criticism around this painting had created an air i think to like so many people started doing big eyes paintings as kitsch that mm. it wasn't really special or unique anymore. And instead of spending thousands of dollars for these really expensive paintings, people could get cheaper knockoffs or prints or whatever. In 1965, uh, he married flight attendant Joan Mervyn and they had two kids together. Unfortunately, after a trip abroad, he suffered a horrible tragedy. All the paintings he had created since his divorce with Margaret were tragically lost at sea. Wait. So crazy. Why were they at sea? In his boathouse? <laughs> well, so they went to, like, tour Europe. Oh. And then, like, he was painting on the go, painting in Europe, just painting everywhere. And then all of them just, like, got lost at sea when they like went they back to Like, they all slid off of a... <laughs> Like deck somewhere, like what? Yeah, it, yeah. Was a, it was in an evergreen shipping container, and uh... <laughs> my paintings were on the Titanic. It tipped over. I don't know if you've ever seen that scene where it breaks in half. They all slid into the ocean, carried off by an albatross. Like you just what? What do you mean? Lost <laughs> at sea, bro? What does that mean? Are you trying Push to say them? The, the your dog ate your paintings. All basically, oh, no. It's Natalie Wood. Basically, oh my yes. God, that's what happened. Christopher Walken doesn't know what happened to his paintings. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh. Uh, so the bad luck would continue. In 1970, Walter's ex-wife, Margaret Keene, went on a radio show and announced to the world that she was the sole painter of the big eye paintings and Walter was a fucking fraud. Oh, snap. Bill Flang, a reporter for the San Francisco Examiner, staged a paint-off between the two in San Francisco's Union Square. Wait. Margaret was... Wait. 
<laughs> this is like this is like an extension of art beef. They had a paint off. This yes. is fantastic. Yes. yes. You don't think I painted these? I'll take it to the streets. Let's yeah. go. I'll they paint you it. outside. <laughs> Come paint me outside. Shut the fuck up. It reminds yes. me of that. Um, there was a a guy who in court had to prove that he uh, could paint imitations because the painting that he had sold was linked to Nazi war crimes. And so instead of going down as a war criminal, he was like, no, it's a fake. I painted it myself. And they made him paint in court to prove Whoa. that he was not involved with the Nazis. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's what you get for being a fucking forgerist. <laughs> That's so funny. They're like, we're going to put you down for Nazi crimes. He was like, oh, how about a less crime? How about less more crimes? Wait, I'm just. <laughs> That's no, fucking no, no. hilarious. I don't hate I don't hate Jewish people. I'm just a fraud. (laughs) (laughs) I just suck in other ways. Um, Yeah. So he staged a paint off. Margaret was there. She was ready to paint. And Walter just like didn't show up. Um, Oh, weird. In the next decade. Yeah, super weird. You can't do that. (laughs) You can't schedule the fight after school and just walk home the back way. What? (laughs) No, he doesn't have to prove anything. He knows he's the... Well, I don't have to prove myself to any of you. Because, um, wait, did Margaret just stay there and paint and be like, yeah, get some. Like, just have everyone watch her paint everything he said. I don't... It didn't say whether she painted on that day, but yeah. there would be other chances. There would oh, be other shit. chances, Katrina. Um, this is it, insane. It is insane. In the next decade since their split, Walter seemed to lose a lot of paintings at sea or have trouble with inspiration. Margaret had none and continued to paint big-eyed children with her new husband, Honolulu sports writer Dan McGuire. After a lifetime of, quote, seeking, end quote, and consorting with mystics and spiritual advisors, she became a devout Jehovah's Witness and credits both her new husband and her faith with giving her the strength to tell the truth. You see... The shy and reserved Margaret Keene, born Peggy Doris Hawkins on September 5th, 1927, was in fact the true creator of the Big Eyed Children. The true inspiration for the Big Eyes was not her husband's sightings of orphan children on the streets of Berlin, but Margaret's disability. When she was two, her eardrum was permanently damaged during a mastoid operation, and she would have trouble hearing for the rest of her life. To compensate for her lack of understanding, she would often look at people's eyes for clues about what they were feeling. To her, the eyes... Yeah. She was literally using them as the window to the soul. That's exactly what I was going to say next. She (laughs) literally said that. (laughs) No. That's exactly what she would say about the paintings. She said she painted them with large eyes because she spent so much time focusing on other people's eyes to try and understand what was going on with them because he could she couldn't hear them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because what was hearing 
what were hearing aids like for children in the 30s like a phonograph I mean, like was she just walking yeah. around with a big old horn and looking at people's eyes or just nothing they didn't have i know that they didn't have cochlear implants or or the no. hearing aids that we think of think now so. that are yeah. like because batteries weren't really right a thing none of yet. that yeah um so yeah she kind of just would hear people out of one ear or like ask people okay. to speak into her good ear essentially okay um Walter continued to deny that Margaret was the artist responsible for the big eye paintings. He stuck to his lie. He did. In she, 19- he was a, a partially hearing impaired Jehovah witness in the face and was like, nope, this is yeah. mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, In 1986, Margaret sued both Walter and USA Today in federal court for an article claiming Walter was the real artist. At the trial, the judge ordered them each to paint a big eyes painting in court. It's another Run it back. fucking paint off. <laughs> battle, battle, battle. So funny. They they just hold Andre in contempt for yelling battle in the back of a courtroom. This isn't a roast battle, man. Um. So Walter was unable to paint and he cited severe shoulder pain. Margaret finished her painting in 53 minutes. Wow. But also imagine that this is like the one time you would not hate getting picked for jury duty. Right? Like everything sucks. And you'd be like, I got to watch a paint off with a big fat phony. That's a horrible liar. Yes. Like, cause I'm also imagining him like, being panicked up until like he lifted the brush and then he was like oh i can't yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i legit see it like that i sent you guys a gif from tom's fight (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and that is kind of what the the fucking court thing feels like we have to post this on the Instagram this is Margaret in court but with a paintbrush (laughs) so this painting and I want you guys to look at it right now uh, it's the last piece that I sent you it should be titled exhibit 224 the painting Mm. was known as exhibit 224 and it is of a young child with enormous eyes peering over a piece of wood as if it's sitting on a witness stand chair too big for him to see over (gasps) it looks like the child is the witness there yeah unlike some of her other paintings which feature crying children or children very sad this child has a small smile on the corner of his lips uh, well, and his eyes just look like through you like the yeah. eyes like even the other ones being more like I've already said like precious momentsy. yep it's like this kid is seeing some shit yes <laughs> um Margaret won the suit and Walter was ordered to pay four million dollars in restitution to his ex-wife Wow. Yes, which is probably Good. more close to the amount of money he was maybe making before. Like it's hard. She's to like, say. I want a billion dollars. I want ten billion dollars. I also have a lot of suspicion that he continued to be involved in illegal activity. So this might have been sort of like a money laundering thing for him. Um, mm, like he I, was using this as a front for other things. Yeah, I mean, I think he's like moving around. He's partying a lot. The thing about 
art Oh, he's market. wheeling and dealing. He's like yes. if Martin Scorsese wrote an artist. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he is really like, he He kind of, a lot of people would say about him there later, they're like, he just was so charming. He had a silver tongue. You know, he could kind of right. convince you of anything. Like, he definitely has a lot of those narcissistic qualities of someone so, who just. Some people do that or develop things like that. They're already that way because they're that full of themselves. But that's a survival tactic at that point. Yeah. Like, so... if he doesn't have the actual talent or be anything else to survive like that's what he's living up of of these women and everything is right. like the charm and the yeah yeah so during the trial it came out that walter had started selling margaret's paintings as his own from the moment they were married like literally she she didn't find out about it right away but he started doing it right away um oh when margaret God. did find out she was livid walter said to her and i quote <sighs> We need the money. People are more likely to buy a painting if they think they're talking to the artist. People don't want to think I can't paint and need to have my wife paint. People already think I painted the big eyes. And if it suddenly say it was you, it'll be confusing and people will start suing us. This was in an interview Margaret gave to The Guardian in 2014. Oh, so he lied. And then when she yeah. found out about it, tried to gaslight her into being like, well, I mean, I already lied. It's just going to be bad for us to tell the truth now. Yes. Because also, how did it go over her head? Well, so he took the images and started selling them at, like, comedy clubs and, like, wherever. Like, he would just, like, go to Famous Go out without her and yeah. just behind her back sell stuff. And she just one day was like, wait a minute, what, like, went to Bank of America and was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, so he, like, when, in by 57, when he's showing at the Bank of America, he's already been lying for two years. He really started selling them in 1955, not crediting her at all. And he got all these deals with him being the artist. So she doesn't find out that he's the artist quote unquote until he's already been doing this for a while. Wow. And by then she, he, she's like, well, it's too late to tell everyone the truth now. What a piece of work. And That's again, insane. at this time, women don't have rights. She can't just yeah. divorce him. Her her voice, her like, hey, that's not real, isn't going to mean anything. And she wasn't like famous, famous yet to a point where she had enough of a name behind her or even knew how to sell her own work on her own as hers and probably would have just been like sort of set aside as like, oh, you're imitating your husband's work. Yep. So yep. like she just wow. didn't really. Yeah. So to further sell the lie, Walter insisted that Margaret teach him how to paint the children. She would later say, and I quote, and when he couldn't do it, it was my fault. You're not teaching me right. I could do it if you had more patience. I was really trying, but it was just impossible. Because you're not the artist. Yeah, because it's fucking hard. Even I think people think like lowbrow work is like somehow a cartoon or it's easy. And it's like, no, it's also really hard. Um, as Walter's fame grew, Margaret was left to paint at home in the basement for up to 16 hours a day. While Walter Jesus. swam. Yeah. While Walter swam in their backyard pool with models all in buff. Uh, it's pretty like, fucked up. She was the Cinderella of her own home. Legitimately, Fuck. yes. Um, Walter refused to allow Margaret to make friends. If she left the home, he would have her followed and threaten her. When she bought a dog, a small chihuahua, to keep herself company, Walter kicked it so hard and so often that she gave it away to save it. 
Oh my god. Oh god. It's pretty fucked up. When she tried to leave or threatened to tell the truth, Walter would tell her, quote, if you tell anyone, I'm going to have you knocked off. Margaret would later say, I knew he knew a lot of mafia people. He really scared me. This is part of the Guardian uh, interview in 2014. So this is kind of why I do think he was involved in that racketeering yeah. He is like if Martin Scorsese wrote an artist. Yeah, I think he was involved with some bad people. I do think that's also how he got his celebrity connections. Yeah, that a makes sense too. I mean, we all know the LA Comedy Store in this time was run by the mafias. The people were, according to legend, murdered at the Comedy Store. Like all of this like LA art scene was heavily sort of in sync with the mafia, with crime, you know, because it's a great way to launder money because you can never prove how much money you get for art. It's so yeah. subjective. You could be like, well, I made $700 million. And some of that could be drug money or illegal money. And now it's getting laundered through the celebrity. Yeah. So Margaret said at that time that her paintings were sad because she was sad. Mm. Oh. <laughs> When asked if she saw any of the money from that time, she said, and I quote, no, I just painted, but we moved into a nice house. That so you, I had a bigger I, basement. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say that you enjoyed yeah. how much of, because he's like philandering on the top floors. Yeah, it sounds like she was kind of just this like abused prisoner and yeah. painting was kind of her only way to connect and other people were connected to it, but she wasn't really getting credit for it. Which is such a sad cycle because she's painting sad things because she's sad, but those paintings are churning the wheels of the lifestyle that her abuser <laughs> is living off of. Yeah. So, like, he even has a vested interest in her being miserable. Yeah, kind of. I mean, because she is creating this brand. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, like any art form, like, 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 what am I saying? A lot of art forms, they go in these, like, flashes where, like, yeah. It's so, it, everyone wants it. It's in such high demand. The oh, artists can't I pay fast it, yes. enough, whatever. And then suddenly you. everyone's like, ah, that's like whatever. It. Everyone, everyone that, like that has now. it, loves it. And like everyone who loves it has it. And then. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens. saturation too. Mm. Exactly. Where, like something like Warhol. I mean, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, he's a hack and there's this and that. And it's like, well you know feel how you feel about him but he was the first one to do that like yo and I was thinking the other day because I saw an artist I was doing some work and this guy came up and it was I thought of both of you because it was like I wish that I could like objectively look at this guy's art but it was just like another like tan dude at the beach painting Basquiat like figures and yeah. I was like okay I bro. really wish that I could think this was anything other than you just like thinking this is cool but you're just you know capitalizing on a bunch of people who think this is you because they're not up in Malibu yeah. and like think that you're edgy yeah <laughs> yeah yes. I Jordan and I went to a show. Wait, was it you and me? We went to a show yeah. where it was like a white dude doing Basquiat knockoffs. And we're both like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was like this 50-year-old white guy. And I was like, Andrea, I 
I can't take it seriously because this is all just Basquiat bad Basquiat's. Like, I feel I better when they're trash. older. It's like you're my age and you're doing that. They have sweatpants of this at Urban Outfitters. You <laughs> like how are you possibly? And that's what things that sucks is like there has to be someone that I don't know. The thing that they want to make is actually just happen to be similar, but it's like that's all I see. <laughs> I think this thing happens where it becomes new it creates a trend everyone wants to do it and then it's so oversaturated that no one recognizes it as anything special anymore right and I think that that is a cycle that artists have to be aware of and to recognize and I think if you're an artist and you do like make your nut and like get you know get your bag or whatever get that bag and invest in some fucking real estate (laughs) yeah like a squirrel you make your nut or that's a horny like, dude. Just, um, I was say. about to say that's like if you get your like bust your nuts. That's what I'm saying. Squirrels don't make nuts. Do you if think you make your nuts, dude? You know how you make your nuts? I have so much cold medicine and weed in my body right now. Um, Andrea T-shirt, make your nut. New motivational saying. Get out there and make your nut, people. But if you're an artist who does garner some, like, critical success, I think it's really important to recognize that there is a sell-by date on your work. And you can create work for the rest of your life. You can stay consistent. But the chances of you maintaining that level of income for the rest of your Mm. life is very low and smart people. I mean, this is why we see people like go into the NFL and then have to work at immediately. Yeah. Yeah, Because they spent all that money. They're not investing it into property or other businesses or whatever. And I think as artists, we have to recognize the volatility of the market that we're a part of and know that it's not going to last forever. Um, but most artists don't because hubris. Um, yep. That's why Rihanna's doing the Super Bowl. Exactly. Everybody's <laughs> got to go back to work sometime. Exactly. So on May 29th, 1987, Walter Keene filed for bankruptcy in San Diego. The former millionaire listed his collective assets as only $5,702.50. This is according to the book Citizen Keene. But that's how um, much he could claim on paper. Like, none right. of his shit. That's right. probably technically accurate. <laughs> yes. So um, in January 1989, the U.S. Appellate Court canceled the $4 million do- debt against Walter, calling it excessive, although they did uphold the original verdict that Margaret was responsible for the paintings and that he owed her restitution. They basically were just like, he doesn't have any money, so we can't keep this as uh-huh. part of the debt. They're trying he's to now say, bankrupt. like, there's nothing to pull from. Basically, yeah. So Margaret would have had to initiate another trial to collect any damages, but you can see he doesn't fucking have anything. So she declined to do so and never saw a penny of restitution. Um, Walter Keene was later diagnosed with a delusional personality disorder and died on December 27th, 2000. Wow. He lived in 2000. What was the... I'm sorry, the way you asked that. Yes, Katrina, he was 2,000 years old. Um. No, I I said, (laughs) like, how old was he in 2000? Okay, he was born in 1915, so he was 75. Dang, he made a decent amount of time. No, he did. If he was born in 1915, he would have been 85. Yes, you're correct. He was 85. Yeah, Yeah. he's Um, an old man. 
What was the delusional personality disorder? I want to hear about that. I mean, they basically <laughs> just said that his delusion about being the artist was so deep that he believed it. Believed it. it. Oh, like if he, if he had taken Well, I think he had a narcissistic personality disorder. Yes. Is what he had. But, you know, this is what he was diagnosed with in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His Wikipedia page, if you look at it, it calls him Walter Keen, comma, American plagiarist. Yes. <laughs> which is what he fucking deserves. Yes. He continued to insist that he was the true artist of the Big Eye paintings. Uh, a man named Matthew Sweet, a keen aficionado, purchased a painting from Walter in the late 90s, and the painting was dated 1985. On a hunch, Sweet scraped off a little bit of the paint with his thumbnail near the date, and it revealed that the six, or sorry, the eight in 85 was actually a six. Walter <gasps> had just painted over the date to try and sell it as a newer work that he created. Stay oh scheme until the end, God. baby. Yeah. And that's it, why I say, like, I'm sure there could have been part of him that, like, did it, uh, talked about it being his for so long that he did actually believe it. But I still speculate that scamming was really what he wanted from the root of it all to begin with. I think he was just oh, a scam yeah. artist. I legit yeah. think he was just yeah. a really good scam artist. Because I, I feel like if you were delusional, person. you wouldn't be changing things like that. You would think yeah. it was yours. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, so I then think that she painted this one after his death. Yes. Yeah, because okay. this one's dated 2006. Is it? Okay. She, yeah, because what's she her kind whole of deal? Like, I'm, I'll talk about it in a little bit. So okay. it something interesting, too, is that she did send him paintings after they were divorced. So some of the paintings, I think until like 65 or 66, she was still sending him paintings because he basically convinced her that like, no one he, would buy her work. Yeah, pretty much. So she was still kind of sending him paintings, even though they were divorced for a little bit. And then she kind of put uh, her foot down with some distance. Uh-huh. Wow. Because wait, is there any indication that she sent him those paintings with the idea that she was going to get money for them once he sold them? Like, I didn't find any. Like, she didn't really talk about it too much. She just said that he kind of bullied her into it. And that's why I was yeah. asking. Was it like him trying to level with her and be like, okay, fine. Well, you keep sending me paintings because he knows he can't make them on her own and she doesn't live there anymore. But I like mean, saying I... that he'll give her some kind of kickback or if she was afraid still and he was like, if you don't send me these paintings, like I'll send someone to come find you. I something. think it might have been it's a honestly... fear-based thing. Yeah. And it might have been a little of both. Like, he might have been like, I'll kick you $300 or whatever. But, right. like, seriously undervaluing her work. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret Keene continued to paint for the rest of her life. Although, instead of crying children that she had once been known for, it's, uh, her website says that most of the children after her time with Walter were happier. So, there were oh, less yeah. crying ones. More of them oh. seemed happy. More of them started to have, like, little smiles. Mm-hmm. Um Although for years, her paintings didn't seem to garner the same level of attention and praise that they once had when Walter was their spokesperson, she nevertheless persevered. In 2014, Tim Burton released the biopic Big Eyes to critical acclaim, telling Margaret's story. 
Margaret worked with the writers for 10 years on the script before it got made. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So he, Tim Burton was a huge fan of hers and you can see it like in interviews of the film, he was, he had a huge collection of her work because he loved it and Mm -hmm. he loved the story behind it and was like, this story needs to be told. Hey Tim, Um, she paints black kids. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Had to. No, do it. (laughs) <laughs> it's an absolutely valid criticism. He's a <laughs> fucking dork. I'm just saying, if he likes her so much. <laughs> um, in 2018, at the age of 90, Margaret Keene was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award at the LA Art Show Inside Little Topia, the section dedicated to lowbrow and pop surrealism. Aww. Which is pretty cool. Uh, That's Margaret awesome. Ke- it is awesome. Margaret Keene died of heart failure in Napa, California on June 26, 2022 at the age of 94. Yes, Jordan's hometown. <laughs> but also this year at 92. Heck yeah. Yeah, you could have passed yeah, her in the no street, baby. I had no idea that this was like such a California story thing. Yeah. Whoa. No, yeah. Like, I, I had no idea. This is your hometown art story, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. She she lived in Honolulu from, I want to say, like, 1965 to, like, 91. It said she moved back to Napa because her daughter lived there. So she lived until, like, from 91 until her death. She actually lived with her daughter and son-in-law. Oh, I kind of, we were, like, in the middle of art drama when you mentioned that. But it's like, yeah, if you get divorced and then move to Hawaii to live with a writer, I think you win the breakup. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, None of I her just paintings had... were lost at sea. Yes, from yeah. your stealing partner. Dude, speaking of uh like lost at sea, I just had a uh I've seen her work. Yeah. In town growing up. Like I didn't understand because it, <laughs> it is one of those things where it's like so oversaturated, and I was just like, you Yeah, see these it are around. Weird. Weird I this is not oversaturated to me like her particular style at all. Like I haven't seen necessarily I did works see. that look like exactly like this at all. I've seen the probably way more poppy like things that this inspired, but never hanging things like this. I want to say Katrina just for you. I did find an antiques road show. <gasps> Shut up. <laughs> Do you want to see it? Yes. Is that what the text is? No, it's not. But I'll I'll send it to you now. Oh my god! Road show, road show. Oh yeah. For listeners that don't know, I love antique road show. I love, love old it. stuff. I used to go to estate sales and buy a bunch of stuff when I lived in Florida and had more room to like do pop up shops. Okay, I'm gonna and send talk it. to old people about the stuff that they're selling for a dollar. I'm That's awesome. Um, this is so amazing. Oh, because also I did want to pose a more like ab, not abstract, more like open-ended art question to both of you. Do you think that there will ever be a time where lowbrow, or if we're in it already, where like lowbrow is used as a word to describe it so you know what people are talking about, but it's not actually seen as lowbrow anymore? I think that's what we're coming up on. I okay. work for like Think Space Gallery on Saturdays. It's really fun. Uh, I have to say everyone is way nicer than I thought they would be for how great of a gallery it is. So highly recommend nice. Think Space. Um, but 
I work there and like there are collectors. I mean, some of those paintings are selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars, high thousands. Like there's a small 15 by 15. A girl came in, she saw it and she was like, how much was that sell for? And the price tag was $15,000. And she got so upset. (laughs) Like her face, you could see she was like, that is not worth that. So I think that again like art has always sort of been in the high in the eye of the beholder and art is always this thing that like only has value because we believe it has value it truly is the emperor's new clothes of commerce yeah yeah and it really just is what is the market willing to bear and i think money is really the only thing that dictates success so if you want to call it lowbrow you can but at the end of the day if this artist is able to make a living it doesn't really matter and there Mm -hmm. are artists who have like pretty i mean i would say i sit in between lowbrow and fine art with a lot of the work that i create some is more fine art some is more lowbrow and i think of all the work i create as still meaningful and one you know important to me absolutely um i do want to say that lowbrow artists like strangeling camilla derrico real who is repped by think space and even powerpuff girls creator craig mccracken which sounds like a fake ass name. I'll have Margaret Keene to thank as stylistic influences for her giant yeah. eyes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everything that I drew when I was younger was this style, mostly from animes, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll remember like Bratz dolls. Remember those little things yes. that in the two, like the early 90s or late 90s, early 2000s that they were like had giant eyes and then you could dress them up online and create different outfits for them. Do you know what yes. I'm talking Not online. about? Yes. Mm-mm. It was forever ago. But yeah, this is that too. Yeah. Um, so that Antiques Roadshow clip basically says that this it was recorded before the release of Tim Burton's film. And mm. the the appraiser told the woman, like, yeah, this is worth like six or seven grand. Um, it was really funny because the one was like, my husband loves this painting and I fucking hate it. And so I want to know if it's worth money <laughs> to see if I can get rid of it. That's basically. so funny. She's like, yeah. justify me getting rid of these big eyed children in my house. Yeah, she was really creeped out by it. And the appraiser was basically like, they just released this movie and I would hold on to it and see if the value increases uh, with the popularity of the film. And it mm-hmm. seems like the film did sort of usher in a renaissance of her work and her popularity with the average person. So Mm -hmm. I do think that when this film was released, like I think she got sort of the support that she needed. And I think she got some financial restitution in the form of selling works again. Yeah. Cool. Cause yeah, did her kids or anyone, like if she sells something now, like does she have an estate or anyone like she does to her art suite yeah so there is a if you there is a martin Keene official gallery and it seems like it's run by her daughter um or maybe grandchildren at this point i'm not sure uh but it it has sort of the rest of her inventory everything sort of she created before her death um sometimes it will license out certain images for products and stuff like that so it seems like it is still earning an income for the heirs um, of course, Walter Keene's surviving relatives, daughter Susan Keene and nephew Billy Keene, insist that Walter was a true artist and Margaret is a liar. Oh, uh, snap. It is really Billy funny, Keen, though. Billy Keene, your dad's not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina, it's so interesting that you sang that because 
Billy Keen is actually a rock star. And <gasps> I want to show you one of his videos. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. This story <laughs> does not stop giving. We're almost done, but we I have to no, show you No, this, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is why you're doing it after Thanksgiving, because this is the episode that does not stop. I, I need it. you. It is like the second helpings and third helpings. Uh, let's just watch <laughs> this film together real quick. This is a, a, a YouTube video. It's called Burn a Candle. The band is called Burnin, B-U-R-N, with an apostrophe at the end. And I can already see a goatee that I do not want. I know! He's and got... For everyone who isn't looking, it looks like if Nikki Six like, had a son that was, wanted to dress just like him. Like, he looks like Nikki Six did. It looks like the guy from the room got a goatee. Yes! That's He's what it Tommy looks like to me. He's Tommy Wiseau with a fucking little soul patch, essentially. With a soul patch so straight that it looks fake. Like, it, it doesn't look like facial hair even grows Ew, naturally that but way. But it's, like, tilted to the side of his face. It looks yeah. like it does look like someone glued it. Oh, no. it to him. It has to be real. Or I he think that his with a hair is fake, though. Like, I think it's a wig. Based on, like, looking at it, it looks like a wig. I don't think that's his real hair. Are you Why watching it? this woman it? taking a sad bath? Yes. Yeah, this woman, this dude died, and the whole idea... Okay, this is so funny. So it's all these like uncomfortable close shots. There's like a woman pouring wine. She's like real sad. <laughs> and then the thing. we as artists, I would like to say, <laughs> are very open to everyone expressing themselves. Like I just had a set out out of town that didn't go well and I cried myself to sleep all night. So I'm not going to like criticize someone's art to the extent that like they shouldn't be making it or something like that. But like, this, this is objectively is bad. Interesting. Like what? He, I mean, my favorite part is just like he is in a church or she's in a church for some reason and he's there and like. Why is she constantly drinking? I mean, she's sad. <laughs> this is that's also how one you of those show things where I feel sad. like they're like fancy women always have wine. Like that's how you can tell she's a sophisticated lady she you should respect because she's always got wine. I mean, it is uncomfortable and bizarre. But yeah, they're like playing guitar in a church, supposedly. This dude comes back as a ghost. She's still holding wine. It's a lot. <laughs> I don't know why he needs sunglasses. This entire video is so dimly <laughs> is she, lit. <laughs> is is what I think about to happen about to happen? Oh, I, I didn't think watch so. the whole thing. Is she going to fuck a ghost? No. Oh, no, wait. I think she just overdosed. Yeah. Oh, no. Are they both now ghosts? I think she became a ghost with him. Yeah. Well, that happened. But so this dude, Billy Keen, it was really interesting. I watched this interview with him, and he is telling this interviewer, like, oh, the, the movie, because this is after Tim Burton's film release. He's basically oh. like, the movie only showed Margaret's side. It's very much her point of view. Like, there's no proof, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I know that my uncle painted these. My mom said she saw him. When asked if he actually saw Walter paint anything, he was like, oh, no. Like, by the time I was older, he'd, like, slowed down a lot. And he, like, wasn't feeling well anymore. And he was just working on his autobiography. He wrote an insane autobiography, by the way. We didn't even have time to get into all of it. But, like, the autobiography is bananas. Just, like, bizarre lie after bizarre lie. None of it makes any sense. The timelines oh, don't match God. up. It is bananas. Because well, this this person in Burnin is his nephew? 
That's his nephew. So Got his, it. Yeah. So he says there's all these lies. So like Walter said, like when they got divorced and like she was like bringing up the suit, he said like, oh, she cheated on her first husband with me. And he tells this insane story about how she came over to his house and then just like like wrapped herself in a towel to like deliver herself and seduce him. And then like they had sex and then she had to go home to her husband. Like he just says all these bizarre, insane lies about one time he says he met her and was like hitting on her and she didn't want to like listen to him. And she's like, I have to go see these paintings. And he goes, and the paintings she wanted to see were my paintings. And that's how we got together. And like Margaret only started painting big eyes after Walter was painting big eyes. Like that is kind of this whole lie and idea that Billy is touting. Oh my gosh. Um, and he says he loved Walter and looked up to Walter. Like, oh, I know mm. Walter's not a violent guy. Like he admits yeah, he was but a womanizer. I can tell by the way that you look that of course this was your male role model. I mean, that's exactly who was like an abuser and a liar and a gaslighter and just kind of an all around nightmare. I can tell by your goatee. Why? It's, Cause it's he already looks like, all there. Why? Cause he looks like the assistant to the pickup artist. Is that why you <laughs> yes. say that? Jordan? He pretty much admitted, like I wanted to be, just like Walter when I grew up. Like I wanted hot girls on my arm and I wanted to have all right. this money and I wanted so to be So you're also this. invested in like this not being alive because yes. if it is, then what have you and this band been striving for all of these years? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he got a lot of like press around the film release to essentially like promote his band slash tell his side of the story. Right. So, so he also like I think also- has a... I think he has a vested interest in perpetuating Absolutely. that lie because it creates a pedigree of artistry that he is mm-hmm. now a part of as exactly. opposed to part of this fraudulent family with no exactly. talent. Yeah, even as opposed when you to said just that... being an early 2000s butt rock dork. Yeah, it's <laughs> Well, even good. when you said that Margaret has like all of her works displayed now, I was imagining Walter coming in and being like, it's a miracle you found them from the depths of the ocean like he would like stick to any version of this that maintained that they were his like it doesn't matter yeah yeah so that's the story of margaret Keene and the big eye paintings and her shitty husband walter i love that it started as walter Keene, but it ends as margaret Keene. yeah i texted jordan yesterday i was like don't say anything That's really it's it's funny because now I know what Jordan's face looks like when she's trying to hold something in. <laughs> Which oh, is the same vibe when someone like has already bought your Christmas present and you're at their house when they're like, I was there's just... something in a closet in here for you. Like everything in her face yes. the entire episode was just like her I holding was so thing. excited for your reaction. <laughs> I also Andrea had texted me and I was like Okay, I've seen a lot of movie trailers. Was this the one where uh, where he's like a cross-dresser? And then I realized I was thinking of the Danish girl. <laughs> oh my God, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, you know, he did a lot of like pretty weird messed up stuff, but I think he's just a pathological liar. Like I just, yeah. Think- well, that's the thing, too, is even about the kind of life that he did lead being this like charming and arrogant, it probably would be just as interesting to hear like 
from the sex worker that he dated for however many years or some like actual account of what his life was like. But it sounds like we don't know because he exaggerates and makes everything up. Yeah, in his own autobiography, he claimed to have children by multiple prostitutes all over the globe, which like could be absolutely factual. I have no idea. Right. Um, he claimed a lot of weird stuff. He also would say regularly in interview newspapers at the height of his celebrity that he was the best person to paint eyes since El Greco. So <laughs> just a lot of just bizarre, grandiose claims. Like he, I mean, yes. he really would just be like, I am the best at painting ever. And that I can oh see God. someone listening to him and being like, oh, well, this guy's off his rocker. Like yeah. seeing that it's that definite that it has to be some kind of delusion. But I, I contest think- that you could be that arrogant. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I think I think that is a thing. I mean, on average, I still will never forget this. I went to a panel of women comedians and it was like a it was like a workshop for women, like how to get in the industry, whatever. It was at Westside. Um, Nicole ran it, who had now has the Crows hey, Club. Yes, I love yeah, Nicole. She's great. Nicole Blaine, go to the Crow Nicole. if you live in LA. Oh, okay. Please go to the Crow. It's great. I was so, like, which Nicole? Because I only know Nicole oh, yeah. Buchanan. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nicole, Ooh, yeah, fantastic. Nicole Blaine is amazing. Um, yeah, so she, I, she did this panel with all these essentially like bookers for festivals across the U.S. that were women, and they said the same thing over and over. They're like, "We get so many submissions, and the problem is that all the men think they're ready when they're not, mm-hmm. and no women will submit." until they're sure they're no. ready yep. and they're yes. so much better than all these dudes. She's like, every time we get a submission from a woman, it's better than most of the men that are submitting. And the only difference is that they've been doing it longer and yep. they finally feel like they're ready to do it. Mm. And the problem is we get all these shitty submissions from dudes who have been doing it for like six months and they think and that like, they're owed something. Where's my special? Exactly. So if you're a woman and you're an artist and you doubt your work, remember that you're already better than most of the men doing what you're doing. Yeah, there's actually there is a statistic that um, men will apply for a job if they meet something like 70 percent of the qualifications and women will not apply for a job unless they meet 100 percent. All of them. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So apply to those jobs, baby. You earned it (laughs) and change your name to a male sounding name. Oh, the amount of emails try to be who you are, but yeah, <laughs> that's a uh, Logan Gunselman has a joke about that. That's yeah. why her name's Logan. Yeah, no, I my name is a man's mom name was in Italy. trying to set her up for success. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. But yeah, that's our story on Margaret Keene and the horrible sexism. Um, there are so many sources for today. I'm gonna list a few of them. Uh, I'll, I'll have a more complete list that is available. I'll create like a bibliography. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record a separate thing because it's going to take me forever to go through and like list them all. So I'll just record a separate, separate sound clip and we can insert that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. This was really fun. It was shorter than I thought it'd be. So I feel good about that. Oh, yay. Thank you so much, Andrea. That was Freaking fantastic and so exciting. So many twists and turns as someone who did not know the Keens before this. I think something that like really sticks with me and I wanted to talk with you guys about is just that I don't think Margaret Keene would ever be famous without Walter Keene. 
I think the fact that it looked like a man was doing the work and this dude had the silver tongue and she's this like shy person. I think that is part of where the success comes from. And as an artist who is doing their own promo and marketing, who's applying to all the galleries themselves, who has to make all those connections and also create the paintings, it's really hard to do both. And Mm -hmm. I think splitting it into a team was a huge key for their success, even though Walter took all the credit and did a really shitty thing. So I think my feelings about it- In a world where like a duo of artists have these two strengths and can work together without stealing from um, the other one another. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that if you're an artist and you have the luxury of having a team or an assistant or anyone else to do anything for you, like you are going to be more successful. And if you're an artist who's doing it by yourself and it's really hard, it's okay. It is hard. I understand. It's fucking hard. It's and hard it to- makes sense that you're not good at both things. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. a great writer and performer, that doesn't necessarily mean that the other parts of this needing to be successful you know what i mean are necessarily in your wheelhouse because you're good at all the other stuff so like don't beat yourself up for anything you may need help with yeah but from people who respect you and freaking give you credit for the work you do yeah (laughs) those um but yeah Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pavant Guard. Um, If you enjoyed listening to Andrea tell us about the Keens and want to hear any of the other ones, please follow us on Instagram or um, wherever you listen to podcasts at Pavant Guard, P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E. You can also um, email us if you have any um, questions about Andrea's bibliography and um, there will be a link to our Patreon in the description of this episode if you would like to get access to the super cool Patreon episodes that we do that are real fun. <laughs> I still have not posted them. I'm so sorry. My executive dysfunction has been bad, but they will be getting posted very soon. I apologize. They're coming. <laughs> um If you want uh, access to any of our bonus episodes, including the one that Jordan just did about art beef, which is probably my favorite bonus episode ever. Yo, art beef was amazing. So fucking good, dude. Oh my God. So good. Uh, You can do that for $5 a month, patreon.com slash podvantgarde. If you like me as a person, you can find me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. Check out my website, andreagazetta.com. I'm doing a sale right now. There's 20% off everything in my shop until I'm going to extend it probably until like December 10th, just so that people can get shopping done and save some money. Cause I love you guys. Oh, you're nice. You can find Katrina at Katrina Savad. Yeah. Oh my if God. If you like me as an individual, you can um, look me up on Katrina Savad. It's just Davis backwards, but yeah, I, uh, I don't think I have any more uh, cool. Oh, I'll be in Florida. I have a show coming up in Florida, December 22nd. If you happen to be in North Florida uh, in Jacksonville at a super cool bar called Rain Dogs, we're telling jokes and then there will be karaoke after. So that's my last like non LA date until next year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm Jordan. I am the Goonie Bird on Instagram and the Goonie Bird Crafts on Instagram. Wait, no, the Goonie Bird and Goonie Bird Crafts. 
uh, if you want to see the weird shit that I do. And I've been working on a really big project that is a surprise for someone. So oh, snap. I can't post it until after Christmas, but I will yeah. be posting that after Christmas. Yay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. surprises. I hope there's <laughs> many eyes. <laughs> That's, she puts the eyes in surprise. <laughs> I love it. I love you guys. This is Thank fun. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. We love you. We love Bye. you. Hey guys, Andrea here. I just wanted to kind of go through some of the sources from today's episode because there were so many. Uh, the first of all was the Keen Eyes Gallery. That's keen-eyes.com. And it is uh, the website about Margaret's uh, own gallery from her children. Um, I had excerpts from the book Citizen Keen, which was written by, sorry, it's called Citizen Keen, The Big Lies Behind the Big Eyes by Cletus Nelson and Adam Parfrey. I've been told that this is one of the books that was the main inspiration for Tim Burton's film. Um, there is, of course, Margaret Keene's Wikipedia article, Walter Keene's Wikipedia article, uh, an IMDb um, biography for Martin Keene from IMDb, uh, there is a Guardian article called The Big-Eyed Children, The Extraordinary Story of an Epic Art Fraud, uh, which was written by John Ronson on Sunday, the 26th of October, 2014. There is My Life as a Famous Artist, a Watchtower article written by Margaret herself as a part of the Jehovah's Witness Watchtower publication. Uh, which was published in 1975. There is a People magazine article called Margaret Keene's Artful Case Proves That She and Not Her Ex-Husband Made Waifs by Susan S. Coonan, published on the 23rd of June, 1986. There is uh, an article from The Times Weekend in San Mateo, California, January 11th, 1964, called i don't have the title of the article it is a continuation of an article and i can't find the title i'm sorry it is a photocopy print of the page but you can find it on newspapers.com uh there's an article from you could literally just die to me reading this until the end of time it's so long there's so many um there is an article in the San Diego Reader called Walter Keene, The Saucer Eye Orphans Have Lost Their Father, a Painful Paternity Suit, published on May 14th, 1992, written by Adam Parfrey. There is another newspaper article called Paint Together, Sell Together um, in the Baraboo News Republic, dated 29th of December, 1959. There is an article called Walter Keene is now earning his way as an artist published in the Weirton Times of Weirton, West Virginia, Wednesday, September 11th, 1957. There is an article called, oh, this is the wrong article. Sorry. There's an article uh, called Walter Keene, a talent for what written by Tony Peters. Uh, what big eyes you have. Is the main article. It was written in the Sunday Telegram, May 8th, 1966, for the Star Gazette in Elmira, New York. 
There is an article called The Eyes Have It in these paintings written by, uh, continued from page 1D, and that is in the Nashville, Tennessee, The Tennessean for the 12th of April, 1964, and this is on page 36. There is, I know, you guys, so many articles. Uh, however, subpoenaed, or sorry, this is the, the title of the article is Hauser Subpoenaed in Punchboard Probe. And that is an article in the Citizen News of Hollywood, Wednesday, April 5th, 1950. Um, the author is not listed. The author's not listed, sorry. Um... This one is, where did he get those eyes? In It's Walter Keene's X Speaks Out. This was written in the San Francisco Examiner on October 14th, 1970. There is a YouTube video, which we'll probably post on Instagram, uh, clips of. It's the lost interview with Walter Stanley Keene, Margaret Keene, Big Eyes Painting. There is another video, Bill... <laughs> Billy Keen talks to Walter Keen and Big Eyes Moving, the a la carte Los Angeles episode two. That's the interview with Billy Keen. There is an interview with Margaret Keen and Shirley Temple and Michael Douglas called Big Eyes. That's on YouTube. Um, it just says Margaret Keen, 1972. There is a clip on YouTube for Billy Keen, Burn a Candle by the band Burnin. That's the horrible music video we lampooned earlier. Um, there's the Margaret Keene Antiques Roadshow, which was posted seven years ago. And there's a story called The True Story Behind Big Eyes, um, written for the Time magazine by Elena Dockertman, December 25th, 2014. Uh, there's an article called Relative of Discredited Big Eyes Artist Makes a Keen Defense, January 2nd, 2015 for the LA Times. There is um, Margaret Keene, Big Eyes for, it looks like WordPress, Girl Up DTU, Girls Building Empires. Okay, I didn't really use this one, so it's fine. And that's it. That's the sources. We did it, you guys. <laughs> Wait, is there more? Did I do more? No, that's it. Those are all the sources. I promise you. Oh, wait, no, there's one more. Um, this is called At 90s Big Eye Painter Margaret Keene Reflects on Her Outsized Influence on Lowbrow Art by Liz O'Hanison, January 12th, 2018. Sure, I'll accept your cookies. And this is for the LA Magazine. You guys, you fucking did it. You made it to the end. You sat through seven minutes of sources. You clearly love me so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. And I love you. Bye. Hey, guys. Andrea here. Um... I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound. And because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out um, and 
part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgarde. And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, we're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, and as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that, you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show. My experience uh, with Cult Podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys